Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Weekend Review for the week of October 8th. In the news, Azerbaijan's national air carrier operates its first flight through Armenian airspace since 2014. Newly released Pandora papers implicate former Armenian officials. And Armenian-American molecular biologist Artem Badabutyan is awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. During an official visit to Lithuania on October 3 and 4, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan met with the Lithuanian leadership and discussed Armenian-Lithuanian cooperation within the framework of the Eastern Partnership Program. The 2.6 billion euros aid provided by the EU to Armenia, the current situation in the South Caucasus, and the role of the OSCE Minsk Group, among other issues. Lithuania's Prime Minister announced that soon there will be direct flights between Vilnius and Yerevan, which will enable the people of the two countries to establish even stronger ties. During a joint press conference with the Lithuanian Prime Minister, Pashinyan announced that scenarios for opening communication routes in the region should not isolate the people of the region, but should aim to ensure their peaceful coexistence. He noted that the OSC Minsk Group has invigorated its activities and described the meeting of Armenia's and Azerbaijan's foreign ministers in New York as a positive event, stating that Armenia is ready to start delimitation and demarcation of borders with Azerbaijan. Pashinyan also stated that Nasser conditions must be set before this process can begin, citing the return of Armenian POWs as an important issue. The Prime Minister also stated that the final solution of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict must be based on the Madrid principles offered by the OSCE Minsk Group. During a meeting with representatives of the Armenian community, Pashinyan noted that he was ready to meet Aliyev and said that he was ready to take the remaining landmine maps that Armenia has with him and urged Azerbaijani President Aliyev to bring all POWs. He specified that those maps do not have any strategic value for Armenia but have humanitarian value for Azerbaijan as they concern the lands behind Azerbaijani front lines. Pashinyan also said that Armenia will never be involved in conspiracies against Iran in response to a question by one of the Armenian community members who stated that some Iranian news agencies claim that Armenia is joining a Turkish-Russian-Azerbaijani pact against Iran. The day before Pashinyan's trip to Lithuania, Azerbaijan's president Ilham Aliyev told the Spanish EFE news agency that Azerbaijan is demanding that Armenia provide them with accurate maps of the land mines. He added that those maps exist, and if Armenia releases them, there will be a, quote, positive response from Azerbaijan. According to Aliyev, 150 civilians and army personnel have died in landmine explosions since the end of the war. Commenting on Aliyev's statement, Pashinyan said that the maps that Armenia has already provided to Azerbaijan are the only ones that they have in their possession. He said that Armenia does not possess more precise maps than those already handed over. And during the same interview with the Spanish news agency, Aliyev also said that he is ready to meet with Pashinyan when he is. He also noted that starting negotiations and discussions will indicate that the war is over. A few days later, on October 6th, Aliyev told the newly appointed EU ambassador to Baku that the opening of communication routes between Armenia and Azerbaijan has already started without offering any further details. And then the head of the press service of Azerbaijan's foreign ministry, Leila Abdullayeva, announced on October 4 that positive signals coming from Armenia during in recent days have given hope to Azerbaijan that the demarcation process would develop in a what she said a constructive direction. 
And following Aliyev's announcement about communication routes on October 6, Azerbaijan's national air carrier, Azerbaijan Airlines, Azal, operated its Baku-Nakhichevan-Baku flight through Armenia's airspace for the first time since 2014. The day before, Azerbaijani media reported that Iran had closed its airspace for Azerbaijani military flights. While there was no official statement that the ban also concerned commercial flights, nonetheless, Azerbaijan decided to conduct the flights through the airspace of Armenia. Although the airspaces of Armenia and Azerbaijan have never been closed to one another for civil aviation, in 2014, Azerbaijan unilaterally decided to stop using Armenia's airspace. The head of Armenia's civil aviation agency, Daltivik Revazian, told Armenian public television that Armenian airspace has only been closed to Azerbaijan or was closed to Azerbaijan during the 44-day war last year. According to Revazian, the Brussels-based Eurocontrol, a pan-European civil military organization dedicated to supporting European aviation, is in charge of aviation fee collection. The fee to be paid by Azal, the official carrier of Azerbaijan, for using Armenia's airspace will be based on the weight of the airplane. Revazian also added that Armenia has no way of knowing who was on the flight or what cargo it transported, if any. However, she pointed out that international law forbids the transport of weaponry on civilian aircrafts. And Azerbaijan's national airline later issued a statement in connection with the flight saying that it had started to use the territory of Armenia for the Baku-Nakhichevan domestic flight as a show of Azerbaijan's willingness to open communication routes in the region, which will be beneficial for all neighboring countries. The airline also noted that using Armenia's airspace for the Baku-Nakhichevan-Baku flight will shorten flight time as well as fuel consumption. Well, despite Baku's insistence on resuming negotiations and hoping to start the delimitation and demarcation process, their provocative rhetoric and actions of Rubina really imply something else. Armenia's defense ministry reported that Azerbaijani forces opened fire in the direction of Yerask uh, late in the evening of October 4, damaging a military vehicle. The next day, Aliyev visited Jabrail, praising the construction work of a new road that is being built. He stated that, you know, the Armenians were planning to construct a road there, but their dreams about the road and other dreams they had never materialized. Um, you know, he's constantly mocking the Armenian people, and this is just, you know, a very sort of gentle one, if you will. Yeah. Aliyev announced that Azerbaijan is building a road in Jabrail now, which will also be used for the so-called Sankezur Corridor. Which is a term they keep using, using mm-hmm. and Armenia uh, keeps denying that there's any talk of any kind of corridor. That's right. Well, on October 2, Azerbaijan's National Security Service announced that it has arrested a spy gathering information on behalf of Armenia. According to the announcement, Aydin Zakiev provided information to Armenia about the replenishment of Azerbaijan's armed forces. He allegedly also disseminated texts provided by Armenia, which were aimed at provoking ethnic conflicts in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan's NSS also claimed that Zakiev helped Armenia's intelligence services to recruit other Well, in the meantime, U.S. Ambassador to Baku, Lee Litzenberger, announced that the U.S. was trying to return Armenia and Azerbaijan to the negotiation table. According to the ambassador, there are still unresolved issues between the two countries, and it is the aim of the U.S. that these issues are settled through negotiations. And another meeting of the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan may be on the horizon. Armenia's foreign affairs minister, Arat Mirzoyan, announced during a Q&A session in parliament this week that he has come to 
an agreement with his Azerbaijani counterpart to meet again under the auspices of the OSCE Men's Group co-chairs. The following day, Azerbaijan's Foreign Ministry representative Leila Abdullaeva announced that Azerbaijan foresees a meeting of the ministers since Azerbaijan believes it is beneficial to discuss the normalization of bilateral relations with the Armenian side. On October 6, Senior Lieutenant Arthur Davidian, who had crossed into Azerbaijan due to bad visibility on October 23, was returned just two days ago. Deputy Prime Minister Suren Babikian, who confirmed the information during the parliament session, did not offer any further details. So it was kind of surprising when I saw the news and we had no sort of prior knowledge to this, but he was unexpectedly, at least for us, returned, which is good news. Which is good news. And uh, this week, Armenia's foreign minister, Arad Mirzoyan, visited Tehran amid the tense situation between Iran and Azerbaijan. After a meeting with his Iranian counterpart, the parties issued a joint statement. The Iranian foreign minister announced that Iran will not allow third-party countries to influence its relations with Armenia. He described Iran's relations with Armenia as productive and constructive. The Goristatev Road was also discussed during the meeting, and Mirzoyan informed the Iranian foreign minister that the road was almost ready. Mirzan also told his Iranian counterpart that Azerbaijan's violations against Armenia's sovereign territory jeopardize the latter's efforts towards stability and security in the region. And in this regard, Armenia highly appreciated Iran's position regarding the territorial integrity of Armenia. And Iran's Minister of Roads and Urban Development, Rostam Basamin, tweeted on October 7 that the map of transit routes in the South Caucasus is going to change. He also stated that the issue of the road from Norduz, that's Iran's border with Armenia, to Armenia and the Caucasus corridor will be resolved. Basami also wrote that those who create problems must know that they cannot close roads for Iran and that it will be difficult to rebuild burnt bridges. The minister did not specify who he was uh, referring to. Earlier in the week, Iran's Irna news agency reported that Iran will participate in the construction of the alternative Goristatev Road. The Technical and Engineering Committee, headed by Iran's Deputy Minister of Road and Urban Development, visited Yerevan on October 4 to inspect the project and consider how Iran can participate in its completion. And Turkey has closed its border checkpoints for Iranian trucks. According to the head of the Turkish Trade Development Association with Iran, Ozgan Arash, this was done in response to Iran banning the entrance of Turkish trucks. He also stated that the trade was completely stopped between Turkey and Iran because of the tense situation between Iran and Azerbaijan. So far, there has been no official announcement on the matter from the Turkish side. Relations between Iran and Azerbaijan remained tense again this week. On October 5, Iran closed its airspace, as you mentioned earlier, Rubina, for Azerbaijani military flights from Nakhichevan to Baku, while the Azerbaijani side closed the office of Iran's Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei's representative in Baku, citing COVID. COVID right. Yes, mm-hmm. Well, against the backdrop of strained relations between Iran and Azerbaijan, Turkey and Azerbaijan held another set of joint military drills on October between October 5 and 8, this time in Nakhichevan. Military exercises were also held by Georgia, Azerbaijan and Turkey in Tbilisi from October 4 until 8. And Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, announced during a meeting with his Iranian counterpart that opening communication routes in the region will be beneficial not only for Armenia, Azerbaijan and Georgia, but also for Russia. 
Turkey and Iran. Lavrov was referring to the 3 plus 3 format, which Russia suggests as a new cooperation format in the South Caucasus, including the three South Caucasus states, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Georgia, and their three neighbors, Russia, Turkey, and Iran. He stated that Iran, Azerbaijan, and Turkey have agreed to the format, while talks are still being held with the Armenian side. And upon his arrival in Moscow, the Iranian foreign minister had stated that Iran was expecting a response from Russia regarding possible border changes in the South Caucasus. Details about the response of the Russian side have not been made public yet. And this week, while Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan was in Lithuania, Narat Mirzoyan was in Iran, Armenia's President Armin Sarkisian was in Italy on an official visit where he met with a number of officials, including Italy's President Sergio Mattarella. The parties discussed trade relations between the two countries and the situation of obviously, in the South Caucasus. Although trade between the two countries had experienced a drop because of the pandemic, in 2021 it has resumed. Italy's president stated that Armenia is a reliable partner for Italy in the region and that many Italian companies are interested in the Armenian market, some of which have already established a presence there. And Armenia's president thanked his Italian counterpart for the resolution adopted by the Italian parliament on March 2, urging the immediate release of Armenian POWs. The Italian president stated that a long-lasting solution to the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict can only be found within the framework of the OSCE Minsk Group. Armin Sarkisian also met with the president of Italy's Senate, stressing the importance of parliaments in the development of relations between states. Armen Sarkisian noted that Armenia is interested in strengthening ties with Italy's parliament and cooperating in international organizations and inter-parliamentary assemblies. The sides also touched upon regional issues. Sarkisian stated that despite the efforts of the international community, Azerbaijan continues to hold Armenian POWs. And Maria, it's this kind of a red line Every meeting, everywhere, Mm -hmm. every address from the official Yerevan never leaves out the POWs, Mm. which is something that we can see that they're really pursuing the issue internationally. Well, Armenia's Catholicos, Karakin II, was also in Italy this week uh, to participate in the People as Brothers and the Future of the Country, Religions and Cultures in Dialogue Conference, and Interchurch Prayer organized by the Sant'Egidio community, which is a lay Catholic association. On October 6th, the Catholicos met with Pope Francis. He presented the post-war situation to the Pope as well as raising a again, the issue of Armenian POWs in Azerbaijani captivity. And Armenia's human rights defender, Arman Tatryan, was also part of the Armenian delegation. Uh, during a brief meeting with the Pope, Tatryan presented reports about the inhumane treatment of Armenian POWs in Azerbaijan, as well as the violation of rights of residents of the border regions of Armenia by Azerbaijan. The Armenian delegation, headed by Garagin II, also met with Vatican Secretary of State, with whom regional security and humanitarian issues were again discussed. And Armenia's second president, Robert Kocharyan, held a press conference this week stating that opposition parties must be involved in the investigation of the 44-day war. He said that the crisis in the country will not be overcome until a number of questions are answered, including what provoked the aggression, how did Armenian diplomats work during the war, or the possibility of stopping the war earlier than November 9. He, he's saying all of these questions need to be answered and that the opposition should be involved in that process.
During a Parliament Q&A session with the government this week, Anna Mogherchian and I have the honor Alliance faction member claimed that Pashinyan has maintained a treacherous connection with Azerbaijan's president through an operative connection. She said that Pashinyan had announced before the war that a communication was set up with Aliyev and which was not limited to the Minsk group and that there was an operative connection as well. In response, Pashinyan stated that the connection was provided by then director of Armenia's National Security Service, Artur. Vanetian. He asked Mogherchian to ask Vanetian, who is also a parliament member from the I Have the Honor faction, what agreement they had come to with Azerbaijan back then. And this connection was set up after the uh, Davush war in Davush earlier. In July, in that's July. right. That's right. And also this week, displaced people from Hadrut staged a demonstration in front of the government building, demanding answers about their housing issues. Some of the protesters claimed that they were promised they would be given housing in Stepanagert, but so far there is no news that anything is being built there for them. They also stated that they have not received any social benefits over the last two months. Some said that, you know, the winter months are coming, it's going to be tough, it's get colder, and, you know, some of them are paying over 100,000 dirhams, that's over $200 in rent each month. And last week, it was reported that the Armenian government obtained 15% of the Zangezur copper and molybdenum combine, which was donated by the GeoPro Mining Armenia. Pashinyan announced during the weekly parliamentary Q&A session that for the first time in the last 20 years, the Armenian people own a share in the Zangezur combine. He also stated that when it was reported that the government will hold a share in the combine, some people in Armenia announced that there is something shady happening. However, since it is is the government of Armenia which obtained the shares and not some offshore company linked to the prime minister or someone else in the government, there is nothing illegal about it. And these were like donations, this was not the government taking over any shares. The two parliamentary opposition factions, Armenia Alliance and I Have Honor, have applied to the Constitutional Court to dispute the constitutionality of the Community Enlargement Bill, which Parliament passed uh, on September 24. Armenia Alliance member um, of Parliament, Arzavik Mina, accused President Armin Sarkisian of signing the bill into law, which, according to him, was an unconstitutional move. And they were saying that the voices of the communities have not been heard when taking such a decision uh, regarding the law. On October 3, another global offshore scandal, this time called the Pandora Papers, was released. Over 600 journalists from 117 countries investigated leaked documents about almost 27,000 companies and their owners. Names of Armenian businessmen and former and current officials were also found in the papers. Head published its first article on the Pandora Papers series involving former Minister of Environment, Vartan Ayvazyan. According to the investigation, the former official had established businesses in Armenia and with British colleagues through offshore businesses. The name of the Aliyev family was also found in the leaked documents. It was revealed that Azerbaijan's first family made property deals in London through offshore businesses worth nearly 700 million US dollars. Hedk is still working on the investigation and more publications are to follow. On October 4, Armenia's investigative committee published updated numbers regarding the casualties that the Armenian side suffered during the 2020 Artsakh war. According to the latest updates, the number of killed in action or casualties is 3,788, 244 soldiers and 
22 civilians are still considered missing, and as a result of search operations this week, three bodies were recovered. And uh, now about the recent COVID updates from Armenia. Daily infection numbers remain high. Over 190 people died this week of COVID-related issues. Only around 5% of the population have been vaccinated so far in Armenia. Pashinyan announced during the government session on October 7 that the government has the necessary means to raise the vaccination rate and they will implement them. Among almost 2.4 billion Armenian drums will be allocated from the government's reserve funds for the prevention, control, and treatment of the virus. Pashinyan stated that if the vaccination rate had been higher there would have been no need for additional funds. And the 50,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine that were donated by the Lithuanian government have already been delivered to clinics and mobile vaccination stations. Currently, the country is facing a shortage of the Sinopharm vaccine. Armenia's Ministry of Health announced that the shortage of the vaccine is a global issue and the ministry is holding negotiations to get another batch of the vaccine as soon as possible. And just today, we had 1,100 new cases of COVID. So the numbers are... Yeah, and it just doesn't seem to register. 190 people this week alone. And then a bit of a positive news. (laughs) Well, Armenian-American molecular biologist Ardem Patapurtian was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine jointly with David Julius. The two scientists discovered key mechanisms of how people sense heat, cold, touch, and their bodily movements. Ardem Patapurtian was born in Beirut and moved to the United States during the Civil War in Lebanon. We went to the same school. I'm just trying, doing the same thing as everyone else, just your making connections. Claim, when they're, they're your claim to fame. Claim to fame. Well, that's the kind of week it was here in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Have a good weekend. And we will be back again next week.